Hey everyone, it's Adam Carolla and welcome to another episode of Going Racing, the show that highlights the fastest cars, best races, biggest celebrities in the automotive world. Madam Corolla, it's Matt the Motorator, D'Andrea, over there. Where are you, Matt? Hello. I'm, I'm, a, I'm at home in Venice, but there's a, they're building an apartment complex right outside, so I apologize. You're probably Everybody's going to hear a little bit of that. I'm trying to make it as quiet as possible, but it's a little, little tough. You know, acoustics are so interesting <laughs> in that I'm in my home theater, obviously. Um, so it's weird. They always say home theater, but I always say I if anyone says to me, what are you doing? I go, I'm going back to my house and then I'm going to my home theater. It's never a house theater. Yeah. Never calls it a house theater. It's a home theater. It's now, not just a theater when you're at home. Well, I think it just, <laughs> I don't think anyone even here knows what they're called. They just go basement or downstairs. But anyway, it's, it's acoustic. So the, the ceiling, I'll let you, I'll let you see it. Well, it's hard to see. But the ceiling's all black. The wall. I can see it behind you. The wall over here is all Oh, sorry. This is all fabric and has all the gene stuff in it. So it's good acoustically. Now, and you're in front of the infamous tile that you had uh, listeners tweet you about. Right. All the directional change in the tile. Um, the thing that was interesting is many, many years ago, I used to do Howard Stern show from a Zephyr box. It was called, it was before all this zoom business. You had to buy a box uh, the box was the size of an attache case. It was just like really like size of like Samsonite briefcase from the seventies. The box was about $10,000 and it was mm. called the Zephyr. And you had to hook it up to an ISDN line or something. And I used to broadcast from my house to Howard Stern show. Um, and I'd do it at three in the morning, our time. And I'll come home at 1230 at night for my job. So it was tough. But the room I would broadcast from was my office. And my office was a hardwood floor, you know, plaster walls, and just a, a hard desk and a cabinet. There was no fabric or throw rug or anything in there. And what I would do is I would sit directly under the ceiling fan and I would take squeeze clamps from carpentry but you could use like potato chip clips or something and i make a circle of beach towels around me that would hang down so i created this cone of silence and it was like it was i'd hang one off of each fan blade or attach one to the other fan blade but it ended up making like like it's like putting your head into a changing room or something yeah. I had this curtain of towels hanging around me and one time and then when I was done for the week or whatever it is, I'd take all the towels down because it was my office. And then uh, one time I woke up late, meaning like I went to bed at like one forty-five, and I woke up at like two fifty-five or something, <laughs> slept for like an hour <laughs> and eight minutes or something. And I, I woke up late and I, and I rushed in, I got the Zephyr all hooked up and I started talking and Howard's like, are you in a trash can? What's going on? And I was like, all it was is I didn't hang up these two beach towels that went around my head. And that's yeah. as big a difference as it, as it makes. And I, people get into this thing where like they think they have to put, you know, 
acoustic material in the wall or whatever, you just literally have to take a bedspread and like hang it, hang it yeah. where the curtain rod is or hang it on the ceiling fan and it just deadens it. I, I, I picture you looking like Daniel LaRusso in the Karate Kid when he had the, mm. when he was the shower costume. That was me. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very apt analogy. All right. So uh, things are closing all around us. Uh, we just found out that the Trans Am race is off. Super bummer. May 1st, 2nd, 3rd, whatever that is. Uh, yeah, super bummer. Um, I, I'm weirdly, opt- I'm, I'm not optimistic. I, I believe the news is pessimistic. So I, we have this thing where it's like doom and gloom, doom and gloom, doom and gloom. And then somebody goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, all right, turn, moving on. Like we freak out about everything and then we move on. I think we're going to move on s- sooner than we think, but it's, it still doesn't mean, look, if shit's canceled, it's canceled. It's not not coming back. We had no. a, a B sedan <laughs> race or 2.5 Trans Am race at Sonoma we're Sonoma. looking to do, and that got canceled. Uh, Long Beach Grand Prix canceled. Um. Hopefully the Trans Am race will get rescheduled, but you know it's going to come up. It's going to be something up again. Yeah. See, now that's the most likely to get rescheduled for a few months down the road because it is a smaller event and they're a little bit more nimble on being able to do that. Things like Long Beach Grand Prix, it's just done. Like now it's 2021 is Long Beach Grand Prix. And, and of course, you know, outside of our world in, in automotive, Olympics, the Olympics are going to be just pushed a, a year. The um, there is a show that for the car folks during the uh, quarantining uh, that's on Netflix, which is like F one, the Drive, or something like that. It's like the dr- Driven F one. It's whole F one series. Uh, Max Paddock can look it up. Um, it's really interesting. It's all modern F one stuff. You know, each episode is, I think it's about 40 minutes long or something like that. And uh, Formula One, Drive to Survive. Sorry, there you go. Uh, I think I watched it last year. It, it It's pretty bingeable because the episodes are pretty short. And they just kind of highlight a team and a driver and th- what can go wrong and the trials and tribulations and like how crazy everything is and how high the stakes are. And it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, they've done like, you know, the Red Bull team and, and McLaren and, and Ferrari. And it's like, it's the same story. It's like the, they got the veteran driver. He's the number one driver. And then the young buck comes in. He's 22 and he's tearing it up. And next thing you know, those guys are making contact with each other out on the track. And mm-hmm. they cut back to the team. And the team's like, no. And it's, uh, I think they had, uh, I, I think it was McLaren. Well, first off, the last one I saw was McLaren, and then they had Zach Brown, who's um, the guy who's running McLaren's race team, I guess. Or well, I don't know if he's running, but he's the head of motor, you know, McLaren Motorsports or whatever. And then I'm like, Zach Brown. Oh yeah, that's the guy who drives the 935 in my race yeah. every every year, and he drives this that big yellow and light blue swap shop or whatever sponsored uh in 35 in my r- run group at uh laguna seca every year so 
kind of cool for McLaren. I mean, you know, you, you know, you have a real racing enthusiast if you got guy out there driving a, I think he's driving a 935 um, K3 or something. It's like, it may even be like a tube frame 935. It's just like a yeah. big old 935. <laughs> and it's that one, you can kind of picture it. It's like yellow and blue. It's got kind of a Bahamas kind of look to it. And there's a big sticker. It's like a windshield sticker, but it's not, it's not the top. It's not the top part. It's like the whole, it's like a two foot by 18 inch sticker. that's just on the window, on the driver, on the passenger side. Like I seems almost illegal actually. (laughs) Like you couldn't really see through it if you're going to the right. But uh, anyway, so I was watching a, drive to survive the f1 thing on on netflix and then i was like zach brown and i was like and then the, the fun part about the computer is like oh zach brown wait a minute and i just tapped up, tapped up. I was like oh yeah that guy was in my race he finished um sixth i think last year and then uh it's like oh, footage from monterey of zach brown driving like helmet cam and i was like oh let's watch him go around in his 935 um it's a cool series that's really well shot, like amazingly shot. And the stories are compelling and, uh, and also sort of insane. Like the, I think it was an episode. It wasn't McLaren. It was, so there's like Red Bull, Red Bull, Aston Martin or something, you know, Red Bull doesn't manufacture engines, but, um, it's like the Ferrari team, the Red Bull team. Mercedes is the number one team. And, of course, I don't think they're ever highlighted. I think yeah. it's like um, <clears throat> if if you watch uh, the NFL Hard Knocks training camp or something, it's never the New England Patriots. It's it's never a top-tier team. Because why, why wouldn't it be? You know what I mean? Like they don't grant them access. But it's but – it's, yeah. uh, it's always like the the teams that are just off the podium that are trying to trying to get there. Although they did do Ferrari, um, and maybe they'll do Mercedes. I haven't I haven't seen, it. but it's a really interesting series. And I was watching last night, and I'm trying to think if it was it wasn't McLaren, but it was one of those race teams, lesser known. And they were like so excited that their guys were going to finish fourth and fifth, and it was the first time they finished that high and blah, blah, blah. And the one guy came in for a pit and he did, you know, they do 1.7 second four tire changes. Like, yeah. Pow, yeah. Pow, right. But the one guy didn't get the lug nut on right or whatever. And they had to pull over. And, uh, oh, wait a minute. So I'm looking at a message for Chris. Let's see. Force. Huh. Oh, should I hit this chat thing? Yes. Yeah, so, so there's a there's an episode where they're talking about McLaren's CEO Zach Brown and a team named Force India. I don't know if that's the team you're thinking about. It'll be it'll have different names and different sponsors, but it was the episode before the Zach Brown episode, and I'm, you'll try to think of the name of the team. It's a team like you've heard Renault? of. Yeah, it was probably Renault. Um, it was probably Renault, and they hadn't done a ton of winning in a while. And anyway, they're real excited to finish fourth and fifth. They had two cars in the race. They're going to finish fourth and fourth and fifth, and it would have been their best finish. Um, the one guy comes in. They do the 
1.7 second tire change and the lug gets cross threaded or something. The guy's got a wobbly front tire. He just has to pull over into the fucking grass and hmm. get out of the car. And then and everyone's like, shit, shit, this is brutal. Uh, and then the next guy comes in and they do the exact same thing. Get the bad <laughs> lug, bad tire. And he literally just has to pull over and get out of the car. Yeah. And they go from their best finish ever to both guys got a, like a cross threaded lug and the poor guy who's operating the impact gun is like devastated. And, and also I think he's the only guy who knows it because when the car's pulling off, he's the guy going, no, no, no. And everyone else going, go, go. He's yelling, no, no, no. And they're yelling, go, go, go. Cause they think everyone's got it. Yeah. And so while the car's taking off, there's a little period of time where there's one guy on the planet who knows he didn't get his lug on right, his center lock on right, and everyone else is just go, 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 including the driver. But that guy knows that in the next 30 seconds, everyone's going to turn and look at him and go, what happened? <laughs> but for a split second, for a split second, everyone is like, this is exciting as he's pulling down the pitway yeah. and getting on to the whatever. But he's going to know in a second. And then they did it consecutively. Does a guy like that just get the one shot? Is he like a kicker at the big game in football? Like you miss it, then you're you're done. I <laughs> don't. I he don't. Got the know. one job. Those those pits with the lugs. It always seems, and and we'd have to look into it. It always seems insanely dangerous to me even though it, it rarely is but whether it's nascar or whatever like when you're racing a car whether it has a center lock or or lug nuts that's the kind of thing you check 10 times before you actually hit the track you know it's like you check it you'd recheck it you check the torque on it blah 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 then may, maybe you'd go uh, practice or qualify or something and then you check them again like yeah. that's just the way it is and the fact that these guys are going as fast as they possibly can just go 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 like yeah and then the guy's just going to go out and he's going to get on the back straight at talladega and be going 214 miles an hour with this guy that's just super hurriedly like threw this tire back on yeah feels dangerous to me yeah it does I, plus the communication process of when the when the guy's hitting it, putting the lug on, how come he isn't the final say? Like, where's the communication between him and the dude in the front going, all right, you're good to go. Just go. I, I, I think the problem is there's a guy in the front and he's like watching. And when all four guys pull off their tire, the guy sees all four pulled off yeah. and they go because they're trying to shave tents. And yeah. the problem is, the reality is, is all four guys should do a signal. Like when you sit on the exit row of a commercial airliner and they go, we need a verbal confirmation yeah. that you can <laughs> yeah. open this door. You don't get to just go, hey, man, or thumbs up. You got to go, I, I am capable of opening this door and then they point to the next guy and they go i am capable of opening this door so what i'm saying is is 
what they really should have is all four guys not just pull off, but like physically thumbs up. And once yeah. the guy sees all four or thumbs up, he'd release them. But that would add four tenths of a second. Yeah. It and would. They, they don't want to do that. Well, <laughs> maybe this flies in the face of everything I say, but maybe there should be a minimum amount of time for a pit stop. Maybe they should just go, you do a pit stop and it's three seconds. And if you get under three seconds, it's still three seconds. Like, Does it take away too much of the competition yes, factor of the pit, it right? Because now everyone's trying to get three flat, you know? and Well, not they're not trying to get three flat. What you're basically saying is, is instead of going as fast as you possibly can and maybe missing a lug nut and 1.7, you have three. So take your time. You know, get the change all four tires in three seconds. Take a nap. Yeah. Read the newspaper. Yeah, it's, that's a bad Definitely idea. not as exciting. No, not as exciting. Not as exciting. There must be a sensor. or The driver knows it when the tire's not, not tight, obviously. Well, well immediately the – the guy putting it on tells somebody and then they radio him and go, no, oh, no, you, you. Yeah, but that, all that guy does is have a look like, oh, shit, what happened? Like, that <laughs> well, that's not... how you know. I guess that's how you know. But no, but the driver's gone. I mean, the driver's gone and yeah. re-entered the chase, right? That guy who did the pit move, it's going to take him a minute to talk to someone and like, and also he's unsure kind of like i don't know i think i missed it i don't know like it's so fast you know so yeah it's not that guy it's the driver who feels it first i'm sure somebody knows this i don't watch enough nascar but uh in in racing where it's five lugs not just the center lock what's the penalty for not getting one of the lugs on and, you know, does he get to do a lap and then come back in and they do the lug? I don't really know the actual procedure of of he drops one and it rolls away and he's scrambling, but the guy's gone. And who wouldn't, but, and who would know it was gone? Who would I, know? I, I don't know. Is there, because we've been to a few of those races. There's not like, there's like an inspector in everybody's pit. The guy's like, do you have any lugs in your pocket? Because right. I want to make sure they're all on there. And it's like, no, I guess, I don't know. You just admit to it. There must be an F1. There must be a sensor. There's so many crazy sensors everywhere. There must yeah. be a sensor if a tire is not snugged up. I'm seeing uh, mechanics have a button on the wheel gun that signals to the pit light system that the mechanic is finished. A raised hand is the backup to this electronic method. It's a button on the gun. Yeah. That lets them know they're finished. So you, you pop it on and then you hit the button. Yeah, or maybe huh. there's a sensor within the gun. I don't know, but it uh it's well, it alerts if, the pit light system. If that gun is anything like the giant gun that we got from uh, Harbor Freight. Yeah, <laughs> it's never going to work because you could never <laughs> let go of the two buttons at the same time. I think we flipped the button over. Yeah, he took it apart and took and uh, moved the gun around. That thing was crazy. So uh, I, I, I've seen a lot of bad ergonomics in my life. <laughs> I've never seen a gun designed that poorly or anything, a TV remote. 
designed that poorly or coffee maker. Tune in next week for another episode of Going Racing. New episodes available on Podcast One and Apple Podcasts.